Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Well friends, it is a great joy to join you in praise and worship of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and a great joy to now reach the pinnacle of our worship this morning, which is the reading and the teaching of God's Word. Now, if you weren't here last week, let me just fill you in on what we covered. We looked at Galatians, the fifth chapter, a two-part series looking at the book of Galatians, not looking at the whole book, just looking at chapter five of Galatians. We covered from verse one to 15 last week, And my intention was to look at verse 16 all the way through to verse 26 this week. But I just couldn't. (laughs) There was so much to take out of verse 16 to 18 that we are going to be constrained to just those three verses. However, I am going to read from verse 16 to verse 26 in order to give us the context of what's going on in Galatians chapter 5. And then we'll turn to the teaching of God's word. This is a spiritual exercise, not an information gathering session. And so before I come to the reading of God's word, would you bow with me one more time in a word of prayer? Let's pray. Father God, we read in your word of it being perfect. Your word being pure, your word being of more value to us than than honey, the drippings of a honeycomb. Lord God, this morning, we, your people, would taste and see once again that the Lord is good. We would eat from your word. We would be filled by your word. In your word, we long to see Jesus Christ once again. And so, Father, would you make it so by your Holy Spirit renewing our minds, stirring our heart's affections, transforming our lives. Would you do that even as your word is read and your word is preached? Would you entrust it to our hearts that we might become doers of your word for your own glory's sake? We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. The book of Galatians is found in the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then Galatians. And we find ourselves in the fifth verse. I think the majority of us have it now. It may well be behind me as well. Hear the word of God. But I say, walk By the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, You are not under the law. Now, the work of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, 
impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Just so far in the reading of God's Word. I read this week of a boys' school where every morning the kids would come together before class and the youngsters would recite the Apostles' Creed. Each one of them was given a section of the creed to say each in order. I believe in God the Father Almighty. And then the next would go the creator of the heaven and earth. And then the next would go, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. And so it would continue down the line through the entire Apostles' Creed. One morning, as they were getting together and they were doing a good job, everything was going smoothly until all of a sudden there was a dead stop and a profound silence towards the end of the Apostles' Creed. And then one young boy spoke up and said, the boy who believes in the Holy Spirit is not here this morning. (laughs) I'm a boy, I'm a man who believes in the Holy Spirit. In fact, all of you who are in Christ Jesus are men and women and boys and girls who believe in the Holy Spirit. Amen. We believe in the deity and the personality of the Spirit, meaning that the Spirit is not just an impersonal force or influence, but He is a living and personal being. We believe that the Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, equal in power and glory with God the Father and God the Son. We believe that the Spirit is the agent of regeneration and sanctification and the giver of all spiritual gifts to believers. We believe that the Spirit is the source of unity in the church, empowering believers to love one another and work together to spread the gospel message. It seems to me that we can have a fairly comprehensive knowledge and even a systematic theology of the Spirit 
And yet in our day-to-day lives, in our day-to-day activities, not always practically exercise one's belief in the Spirit. You see, we also believe in the ongoing work of the Spirit in the life of believers, including the conviction of sin guiding into truth and empowering us for witness and service. We affirm the doctrine of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, meaning that the Holy Spirit dwells within believers, enabling them to lead a holy and godly life. The Spirit dwells within believers. Uh, he, he lives within us. And this morning, I'm hoping that we will see that we can live a holy and godly life. I believe that the only way that that is possible, this side of eternity, is in close, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. And so this morning, we're going to look at three points from Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16 and going through to verse 18. Each verse is a point, and the first point is the Spirit's promise in verse 16. Let me tell you what verse 16 is saying interpretively, and then I'll read it again so we have it in our mind's eye. Walk by the Spirit, and you will have victory over sin. Walk by the Spirit, and you will have victory over sin. Verse 16 reads as such, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This word walk. Friends, the Christian life is a journey. It's a journey that we walk step by step, progressive sanctification, continuous spiritual progress towards holiness. Walk by the Spirit is an imperative. It is an order. It is a command. And the command comes, yeah, with the benefit. What is the benefit of walking by the Spirit? Well, the promise of victory over sin. The result of obedient Walking by the Spirit is that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now let me ask you a question this morning. Whoever you are, visitor to the service, member of Central Baptist Church Pretoria, boy and girl that's here with your parents, whoever you are, do you want victory over sin? I'm going to assume that the answer to that is yes. And so to you, I'm going to say what Paul said to the Galatians, then walk by the Spirit. But how do you practically walk by the Spirit? To walk by the Spirit, firstly, you must have the Holy Spirit live in you. Well, how does that happen? The Spirit takes up permanent residence within us. The moment we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Paul wrote, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. 
And Jesus, speaking of the Spirit, promised, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Number two, to walk by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit must fill you up. Paul commanded to the Ephesians, to the church in Ephesus, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Stay away from sin and be filled with the Spirit. Kids, here is a riddle. If I held up an empty glass yeah, before you this morning, a glass with nothing in it, can you see that in your mind's eye? And I asked you, how can you remove the air from the glass? How would you answer that question? Well, if you were really smart, you would go and get another glass of equal size to this glass, and you'd go to a tap, and if you have water, in Constantia Park, we don't always have water, um, but if you had water, you would go and you would fill up the second glass, and you'd bring it to the first glass, and you would pour the water in the glass so that the water was filled to the glass to the brim, right? And then there'd be no air in the glass. You would fill it with water. If you want to move fleshliness out of your heart, you need to be filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit of God. Number three, to walk by the Spirit, you must not grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 contains a well-known verse, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Well, that verse comes at the end of a chapter which is all about explaining to you what that looks like. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin against God. That's the context of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 19. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, Listen to what that passage says. Now this day I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk like the Gentiles in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. If you want to be walking in the Spirit, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. How do the Gentiles walk? Well, you, you need to stay away from sin, verse 17 to 19. You must not lie, verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 4. You must not fall into sinful anger, verse 26 and 27 of Ephesians chapter 4. You must not steal, verse 28. You must not curse, verse 29. And you must stay away from all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander along with all malice. That's in verse 31 of Ephesians chapter 4. The fourth way to walk by the Spirit is not to quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19 says, Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not put out the flame of the Holy Spirit within you. Do not hinder 
do not suppress his work in our lives. Submit to him. Healed to him. The fifth way we are to walk by the Holy Spirit is to let the word dwell in us richly. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Read the word. Study the word. Memorize the word. Meditate upon the word and be doers of the word. There is a close relationship between the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our ongoing progressive sanctification, becoming holier and holier. And so verse 16, if I had to summarize it interpretively, is walk by the Spirit and you will have victory over sin. Second point this morning is the Spirit's fight. The first point was the Spirit's promise. The second point is the Spirit's fight, and it's taken from verse 17. Let me summarize verse 17 for you, and then I'll read it so that we have it close to our mind, and then let me tell you what it means. This is because the Spirit within you will fight you for you. That's the interpretation. The Spirit within you will fight you for you. Verse 17 reads, The desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This Tuesday morning on my drive to the office, I I prayed. Um, Often on the way to the office, I I listen to MP3s. Uh, It's how I catch up on what's going on in the world. Um, But this Tuesday, driving to the office, I prayed. Um, And I cried out to the Lord. Um, In fact, if the person driving to the left or the right of me peered into my windows, um, they would have probably been a bit confused because I had tears streaming down my face. I was crying out, God, please. I'm struggling. I I can't. I'm I'm losing the fight against sin. Lord God, I need help. Have you ever been in a place like that? Desperate because it feels like sin is winning and you are defeated. John Knox the great reformer of Scotland wrote, now after many battles, I find nothing left in me but vanity and corruption. For in quietness, I am negligent. In trouble, I am impatient, tending to desperation. Pride and ambition assault me on the one part, covetousness and malice trouble me on the other. Briefly, O Lord, the affections of the flesh do almost surpass the operation of your Holy Spirit. Knox is crying out because it feels like sin is winning and he will be defeated. That's me and that's Knox. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, verse 21. He writes, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, 
but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? The Apostle Paul here is writing in the first person present tense. He's writing out of personal present experience. Sin trips him up, even though he hates it. Paul cries out in desperation because it feels as if sin is winning and he is defeated. So is there hope for Paul, for John Knox, for me, and for you? Well, the answer is there is. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) The spirit within you will fight you (laughs) for you. If you are in Christ, the spirit of God is on the inside of you fighting you against the flesh, for you against the flesh. The battle for your heart is presently being waged. The contradiction of the Christian's life is that after salvation, we are partially righteous and partially corrupt. Not yet fully sanctified, but no longer enslaved to sin in such a way that we give into it without a fight. But friends, this is very important. Your victory over sin doesn't hinge on you. Victory is assured because the Spirit is on our side. I watched a a reel on Facebook um, this week. It was of a lion. I'm, I'm sure many of you who watch Facebook reels, it's like a black hole. Once you start watching them, you just fall into them uh, swiping. Uh, and so I'm sure some of you have seen it. It was, a, it was a reel of a lioness being assaulted by 20 hyenas. Uh, the hyenas end up jumping on this lioness's back. And you honestly get the impression that the game is over, the fight has been lost. And then, out of nowhere, come the rest of the pride. A whole lot of lions kind of sweep across the screen screen and tuck into the hyenas and immediately scatter them. That's a little like the way the battle of your heart goes against the flesh. If you fight in your own strength, you are outnumbered and the odds are 20 to 1, 100 to 1, 10,000, the odds are impossible. But when you walk by the Spirit, the game changes and He engages the flesh in your heart and fights within you towards victory. As we read verse 17, We can summarize that interpretively by saying walk by the Spirit and let the Spirit within you fight you for you. The last verse and the last point. We've spoken about the Spirit's promise. We've spoken about the Spirit's fight. Now we talk about the Spirit's freedom. If I had to summarize verse 18, it would be like this. And so 
the Spirit will lead you into freedom. Verse 18 reads as so. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Friends, I asked earlier, I'm going to ask again, do you want victory over sin? I want you to have victory over sin. I want you to have victory over sin. The the power to break free from sin is not found in the law, but is found in the Spirit. Last week we read Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. It reads, for freedom, Christ has set us free. And we asked the question, what have we been set free from? And the answer was, we've been set free from sin. We've been set free from death. We have been set free from the devil. But in this context of Galatians chapter 5, Paul has in mind us being set free from bondage to the law. In Christ, we have been set free from the law. We've been set free from using the law incorrectly, relying on it for salvation, trusting in it for self-righteousness, that it might make us good enough for God. What is the law? Well, the law are those 600 plus commandments. Uh, At Bible study this week, I was told uh, that it is 613. I I haven't counted them all, but that number sounds uh, relatively good. I know it's more than 600 commandments and regulations received through Moses and recorded in the second through fifth books of the Torah. The Lord reflects God's holy and unchanging character. The law regulated the day-to-day life of the nation of Israel. The law regulated how the nation of Israel was to worship God. How is it that we can be unshackled from the law, which reflects God's holy character? It's because the Spirit leads us into God's will and into God's way. He effectively writes God's law on our hearts, on the inside of us. That's why Jeremiah prophesied, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And and I will be their God and they shall be my people. That is why Ezekiel prophesied almost the same. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This inner influence of the spirit leading us is far more effective than any outer influence that the law could ever have prescribing to us. Do you want victory over sin? Then listen to Paul's logic this morning. You need to walk by the Spirit and then you will have victory over sin. This is because the Spirit within you will fight you for you And so the Spirit will lead you into freedom. How do we go about applying this in our day-to-day life? 
Well, unbelievers that are certainly here this morning, because in a group this large, uh, it is highly unlikely that everyone has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. I have no doubt that you are aware of your sin. It's man's universal condition. If we had to ask for everyone who has sinned to put up their hands, every single one of us would raise their hands to our own shame. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I imagine that you are aware of the inevitability of death. It is man's universal conclusion. The wages of sin is death. What you might not know is that your present sinful state is the direct cause of your future temporal and eternal death. You are shackled to both sin and death, even as you are shackled to the Lord of sin and death, the devil. This morning, if your heart cries out for relief, for redemption, for deliverance from that terrifying future, then I have good news for you. Freedom is proclaimed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came into this world, born of a virgin, born without sin, and lived a perfect life. He died on a cross in your place as a substitute, paying the price that your sin deserves. He rose from the grave triumphant over sin and over death and over the devil and even over the law. The call on your life this morning is to turn from your sin, from your love for this world and to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He would bid you come this morning and follow him. Come this morning and receive the free gift of eternal life. Do so at once, call upon his name, believe, and you will be saved. Friends, to those who have recently placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, new converts, teenagers, folk that have been visiting and have recently believed, the Spirit of God is within you. Be completely yielded to the Spirit that he can possess you and fill you up. Do not grieve the Spirit nor quench the Spirit. Rather be led by the Spirit. Listen carefully to His Word. Listen carefully to His people. Listen carefully to the circumstances that He brings into your life. The Spirit takes a permanent residence within us the moment that we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is to be daily renewed. And so pray that the Spirit would engulf you, wash over you, fill you up to the brim. When you allow this to happen, you will experience the fullness of the Spirit working and His power in and through us. Allow Him to occupy every part of your life, guiding and controlling you. Friends, to those of you who are in a backslidden state this morning, who once confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, but have fallen into habitual sin or have fallen into grievous sin? Are you desperate because it feels like sin is winning and you are defeated? It doesn't have to be that way. Don't let the odds be 
14,000 to one. You will lose the battle if you fight against sin by yourself. Call for the pride. Allow the spirit to fight for you. Confess your sins and turn away from it. And turn once again to Jesus. Allow the spirit of God to fill you once again. And then don't quench him. Allow him to do his work. Allow the spirit within you to fight you for you. Number five, believer. Progressive sanctification. This Christian life and journey. A journey that we must walk step by step. Um, Continuous spiritual progress towards holiness. You need to walk by the spirit so that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. May the Spirit of God so work in us that we would live out our lives to his praise and to his glory. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, I do thank you for your word. Not only is it faithful and true, Lord God, it is sufficient for all matters of life and for godliness. Upon it, Lord, we can stake not just our doctrine, but we can stake all of our practice. This morning, as we look in your word, we see practical ways that we can fight against sin and live lives to your praise and to your glory. Would you make it so that your people would do just that? That we as a congregation would be a a people that are characterized by holiness, a testimony to a world which is watching in. And might you receive much praise and glory as we point others to Christ, that your name might be exalted. I pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.